This week, Music Biz Weekly Podcast. It's a cool discussion about this new service, new website, new business called Revelator. And one of the cool things they're doing is they're providing an incredible back-end service to other distributors. So it provides an incredibly easy-to-use dashboard of what's going on with your music, um, which, Jay, as you and I know, dashboards are so important, but they can be so complicated at the same yeah. time. So check out this week's discussion with Revelator out there. Welcome to the Music Biz Weekly Podcast, founded in 2011 and with over 500 weekly episodes, where Michael Brandvold and Jay Gilbert, two longtime music industry pros, discuss the very latest trends, tools, and tactics that you need to succeed in this new music business. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Music Biz Weekly Podcast. Jay's back this week. I am. Thanks had, for holding had, down had, the fort last had, week. Great yeah, job. Yeah, you know, it was uh, last week's episode. Um, you know, it was one of those where it's like it didn't apply to the DIY musician. Beat Dap came in with a service that's basically geared towards DSPs. Yeah. And that DSPs can use this to help help battle bots and stream farms and hijacked yeah, accounts. And it's a huge problem. Um but boy, did that open up some discussions, man, over on our artist community on bands in town. People were just, you know, questions and frustrations and how is this going to help me? And right. Um, but uh, yeah, that last that last week's episode, um, I was curious as to how well it would be received by the average person, because it's not a service that right. you as a, as a singer songwriter are going to go pay for. Right. Now, but there's as, a lot of interest in it. And there's it a did lot spark of a lot of conversations. Yes. And and as as you were saying, because you were at the music biz conference, these conversations were happening simultaneously at the music biz conference as well. That's right. So That's so exactly right. this problem is really becoming known to everybody. And I guess what we stressed in the conversation last week, I'll just remind everybody is. As a singer-songwriter, this is something you can ask your distributor. What, what are you doing about stream farms? How are you combating stream farms? How are you combating hijacked accounts? Right. Um, how are you combating bots? Are you using a service? Because the more you as an artist ask those questions to your label, to your distributor, um, the more it's going to be taken seriously. And it's got to be taken seriously. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Big problem. Um, any any one thing that came out of Music Biz that you were like, wow, this is this is going to be big. It was so cool. Just all the different meetings with all these different platforms and labels and distributors. And I think uh, it was just great to see people in 3D again. It was great having these conversations, but they had conversations uh, about things like you know, women in, in music and in entertainment and fairness and equality. And there were so many great um, panels around that, but yeah, we talked about bots and spin farms. You know, we talked about kind of myths in, in the business. And what's great about music biz is it's, it's all inclusive, meaning that the indie retail is there, which is great. Right. And then you've got the DSPs doing workshops. It's all about music and everybody kind of came together for it. So I don't know if there was one major, you know, takeaway from it other than 
you know, the industry has changed while you and I have been having this conversation. So, you know, educate yourself. We say that all the time, you know, listen to the podcast, read the newsletter, educate yourself because it's moving at a pretty quick pace. And we'll talk about, uh, um, all of those things as we go forward. Yeah. I wasn't, wasn't there a discussion at music biz about, and I might've gotten my sources all mixed up here about playlist hijacking, which I remember yeah. reading something somewhere about how all of a sudden copyright notices, people are issuing copyright takedowns against playlists based on the cover artwork for your playlist. Yeah. And yeah. the, meaning if you create a custom piece of artwork and upload it, they issue a, basically a copyright claim against it, forcing Spotify to take down your playlist. And then they immediately relaunch a new playlist under the exact same name with all their artists yeah. that they want to promote. Yeah, they they were talking about that. And you had sent me this really great article on, on playlist hijacking because, you know, they think that about um two percent uh, of these playlists on some of these major dsps are uh bots and spin farms they're they're fake but what what they're finding now is that the growing area is on the paid side usually people use the free version of let's say spotify to do some of these things and they're typically outside of the us now that line is blurring there are actually paid um subscriptions that people are either hijacking somebody else's um account um but it's getting more and more complicated and anytime that you have a number that people are judged by you're going to have people trying to game the system i had an artist who was they didn't make it into a festival that they really wanted to play at and they were told it was because their numbers weren't high enough um and so it makes you want to jack it makes you want to do up. what you can to get that number up. Yeah. Right. I mean, that was one of the things that that beat Dap last week talked about was hijacked accounts, which right. I hadn't really thought a lot about. Me neither. But but as they explained it, it's like, you know, somebody hacks some service, gets all these usernames and passwords, finds out it, they get access to your spot. And I'm just using Spotify as an example, but it happens across the board. They get access to your streaming service account. And what they do is they like take it over in odd hours of the day. Right. So you, don't you, might, you might use it during the business day as you normally would, but then from 2 a.m. to 4 a.m., they've got bots that have logged in that are streaming people who have been paying them a thousand dollars to get streams right. you don't have a clue nope and it looks legit because it's a paid account yeah and for those that don't know a, a bot sounds really you know futuristic a bot is just a little piece of software that does a task like playing a, rep a song repetitive over task and over. do That's it over and over repeat rinse That's, repeat rinse repeat yeah, rinse repeat exactly yep, yep yeah we've, we've shared the pictures of you know, these walls of smartphones that yeah. are all controlled by one PC. That's basically what, what, what we're talking about here. But um, it, 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 it's really kind of opened my eyes even more to how this problem has grown so bad. I mean, and honestly, BeatDap was like, listen, somebody hijacked your account, just change your password. That's it. 
once you change yeah. your password, they've lost access. To that's it. right. But sometimes you don't know that's happened. No, that's why, you know, you said this on a year end episode one time that, you know, uh, you should change all your passwords, you know, at certain frequency. And I would tell people don't wait until, you know, the end of the year or whatever, put it in your calendar and just, you know, every whatever it is, every couple of months, every quarter, well, change all your passwords. You know, the, the, the big thing they, they, they say is don't use the same password across every service. Get yourself right. a password manager. There you and go. have a unique 20 character odd, you know, it would take years to break type of thing. But that way, if right. that one password was compromised through a hack of a service, it's only that one service that you've lost your, your access to. They aren't getting that same password and an email address isn't getting them to everything else you've got. Yep. Good advice. But, um, yeah, you know, so good to have you back. Um, before you, we brother. get into this week's um, discussion, um, I want to just do another quick shout out to Bruce and everybody at HypeBot and Bands in Town. Um, again, thank you so much for setting Music Biz Weekly podcast up on the Bands in Town artist community. We encourage everybody to go join us over there. It's gotten real busy over the last week with, uh, with our BeatDap discussion going on over there, but just head over to Bands in Town dot music biz weekly podcast.com sign up it's 100 free and there's a lot of great people that are leaving questions answering questions you're yeah. gonna get a lot you're it's a great place to connect is what it comes down to um but huge shout out to our sponsor discmakers.com we know it's a digital world but there's still an important role for physical media for today's musicians Digital royalty payments can be so small that selling products like CD, vinyl, T-shirts, online and at gigs has become such an important income generator. For every CD you sell at a gig, you might need roughly 3,000 streams to make the same amount of money, and that's a lot of streams. Our friends at Disc Makers are the place to go for your discs and other physical media, including vinyl, USB drives, and even T-shirts. So we got a great little offer we put together with Disc Makers for all of our listeners. Head over to discmakers.com, place an order for 100 or more CDs, and when you check out, make sure you use the promo code FREEBIZ, all one word, FREEBIZ, and you'll save up to $150 in shipping costs. Uh, so, Jay, this week, it's an interesting discussion. Yes, we have a, a really cool platform uh, that you and I learned about and we wanted to share with our viewers and listeners. Our, our guest is Bruno Gez, who is the founder and CEO um, of this company called Revelator. And uh, it's, it's a really cool uh, platform um, that really helps you to really get on top of your business, um, not only you know, socials and streaming, but financial things. And, you know, they're poising themselves as this, you know, solution for the future with web three things like, you know, NFTs and um, smart contracts. So it's, it's a really cool uh, platform. Yeah. So check it out and we'll see you at the end. Thousands of musicians and industry professionals listen to the music biz weekly podcast. If you have a product or service and would like to reach this audience, get in touch with Michael or Jay to discuss sponsorship opportunities. Visit musicbizweeklypodcast.com. Subscribe on YouTube, follow and rate us on Spotify. 
subscribe, and leave a review on iTunes. We appreciate your support. Today, we are joined by Bruno Gez. He's the founder and CEO of a company called Revelator. And uh, Bruno, thank you so much for joining us today. As well. Thanks for having me. So before we get into Revelator, you've got an interesting uh, background um, in Zoom and in your career. So why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about uh, your journey? What, what led you to where you are today with uh, being the founder and CEO of Revelator? Sure. Um, I started um, in my early 20s. Um, you know, I studied ethnomusicology at UCLA. Um, and I met uh, an amazing person named Chris Blackwell, who doesn't need an introduction, but nope. is the founder uh, Island, and right? of Island Records and probably the, the single person most responsible for putting reggae on the map mm-hmm. internationally. Uh, beyond you know a lot of other great musicians and artists that he's worked with uh, over the years, but uh, he signed me as a label uh, to Island Records at the age of 23, I think I was at the time, and I started developing and producing and you know, putting out records. Uh, that was a great experience, and I worked with him for about 25 years. Through that time, seeing the market go from you know, physical to digital, from download to stream. And uh, about 10 years ago, I moved to Israel, um, still running my label from here. But I found myself in a position where I didn't have any tooling. There were no web applications for, you know, label management 10 years ago. And I didn't have my label and my staff in in LA. We were 10 people at the time. So I started developing tools so that I could, you know, myself manage the company. Um, and I remember at a specific point in time asking myself, it's either I invest and you know, build tools for me to adapt to being remote and being on the other side of the world and still needing to have you know, reporting obligations and you know, collaboration um, with my artists around the world, or I'm just going to stop. And I didn't really want to stop you know, my career and my label. So I basically put up the money and invested in developing the applications. And initially for the first two, three years, I was really developing the platform for myself. I was, you know, management of catalog and repertoire and metadata and managing contracts and rights, managing, you know, reporting and revenue uh, data coming in from the DSPs and trying to process all of that to get to royalty statements, et cetera, and wanting to analyze and understand what was going on with my catalog. So that kind of put me in a position where I had to build this platform. Uh, and then three years into it, I said, well, it's everybody's problem. Everyone's got a big data problem. Everyone's not able to consolidate and manage all the different types of data, you know, metadata, rights data, revenue data, royalty data. So I opened it up and started kind of uh, looking to turn it into a business, into a platform. And that's been a great journey. Awesome. So let, let's talk a little bit about Revelator. Um, I've had a chance to see a demo. I've had a chance to kind of look under the hood a little bit. And it's it's got a lot of information, but it's got a dashboard where you don't have to be a data scientist, you know, to kind of go in and see the trends and see what's what's going on. Um, there are also some things in there I'd love to get your thoughts on, you know, things like 
you know, uh, royalties and publishing splits and things that maybe you don't think about so much when you're looking at Spotify for artists or Apple Music for artists or your YouTube analytics and things like that. Talk about some of the data sources that are being aggregated here. Sure. Um, so we do act as a distributor or an aggregator. Um, so we do have first party data and access you know, to all the DSP data through FTP or API. So that puts us in a really good position to have both consumption data as well as financial data. Uh, we also deliver the, the whole platform as a service to other distributors and labels who have their own direct deals or are Merlin licensed. Mm -hmm. um, so you don't need to go through us as a distributor. You can just use the platform under your own deals or under Merlin's deals. And you can automate the aggregation and ingestion of all of the DSP data you have as a distributor or label under those deals. So the platform works on your behalf to kind of pull all your data and kind of easily consolidate you know, all your financial data across you know, the whole market. And that usually means around 800 files a month on the reporting side, on the revenue side. You know, I mean, just Apple alone, I think have 165 reports per month, uh, you know, 65 territories, three or four different services. So you can see how those reports stack up. You know, Google's got the same. And when you put all the DSP data together, you, you're talking about a lot of files. And right. when you're talking about, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six billion streams, you know, per month, you're talking about large files. And, you know, there's a challenge with that, you know, Excel kind of maxes out, I think at one gig. So you can't even open a YouTube file, for example, if it's 4.5 gigs. So you need, you know, tooling to actually be able to process, uh, you know, all those sales transactions and be able to match those automatically to the copyrights and to the sound recordings so that you can have the automated attribution and make the whole process of financial management you know, really streamlined so that you can just click, point, you know, analyze, approve, and then run royalty, you know, operations downstream without having to open Excel and consolidate and run macros and try to, you know, you'll find you'll make errors along the way when you're dealing with spreadsheets anyways. Yeah. So, Are you, you're a distributor. So if I'm a, a DIY artist, is it like a, you know, CD baby distro kid kind of thing where I can just put my music through you, or is it more like a, the orchard or in grooves where I need to have permission to do that? Good question. So it's more like CD baby and distro kid, you know, um, use a revelator platform to power those businesses. So the problem with the, uh, you know, B2B aggregators, whether it's, you know, Fuga orchard or belief is they built, you know, their stack for themselves. Right. So Orchard does not white label, Believe does not white label their service. But Revelator was built as you know, a platform so that other distributors could come along and white label and offer a distribution service to artists under their own brand. So actually, CD Baby's Sound Drop uh, is one of their brands, but it's actually built entirely on our stack. It's our application, our backend, et cetera. Um, we have about 100 different distributors that we serve um, across the world, 
that run white label distribution platforms, you know, from Hong Kong to you know, Nigeria to Colombia to Brazil, et cetera. So we basically power distributors. But not necessarily individual artists? Correct. We okay. do have artists on the platform, but we try to be focused around a B2B business model. And what we excel at is providing B2B2C solutions. So just so we're clear for our listeners who would could be DIY artists, they wouldn't go to Revelator and sign up and say, okay, I want to release my next EP through Revelator. Correct. They would go to one of our customers who are distributors around the world in those territories and work with them. Now, do you, on your website, uh, list out who all those customers are? So if an artist says, well, I want to use a distributor, but I want to make sure they're using the Revelator backend. Super question. Um, we started doing that, and I think we're launching a new website next week. So um, that's definitely something we'll do. We'll list it. Okay, great, great. That's a great, great feedback. Talk a little bit about some newer technologies. Um, I was reading that there, are, some of your capability, and correct me if I misread this, is in kind of Web three, and that you know you can register assets and splits on the blockchain and mint NFTs and have uh, credit card purchasing where you don't necessarily need Ethereum. Is is that accurate? Absolutely. So we, this is something we've been working on since 2018. Um, I've been fascinated with um, smart contracts since I would say about 2015. I started doing some POCs. Early on. Yeah, early on. But I wasn't quite convinced early on that it was quite mature yet. Uh, by 2018, I felt that it was. So we started crystallizing our strategy around a digital wallet. So we've been building what we call the artist wallet since 2018. And we've done some pilots with rights organizations as well as major publishers um, and processing basically, you know, billions of streams on musical works on chain and being able to kind of split out the rights to those musical works according to the, you know, uh, publishing rights structure uh, and embedding that into a smart contract. So we've been doing that. We've been at this for some time, but what's more interesting now is the market's finally come of caught up, right? NFTs kind of opened up everybody's eyes. I was talking about NFTs in 2018. Nobody quite understood the, the potential. Nobody the really quite fun. understands it today. <laughs> I was just going to say, I would yeah. Argue. yeah. Well, you know, people were thought I was kind of strange when I was talking about NFT. They were like, what are you talking about? Today, at least people understand that term. I hear it six times a day. Right. It's not more. Right. No, yeah. but I do believe that the potential for NFTs is not going to be fully around the collectability, but more so around the utility. Oh, 100%. Around- yep. And it's already being, you're already seeing that in the data. Um, Sherry, who put out an amazing article last week that was in my newsletter, Your Morning Coffee, where it really does a deep dive into, you know, where NFTs have come from and where they're going and where they are now. And if you subscribe to her Patreon, you know, you can look at her database of, you know, most of the music NFTs that have sold, you know, in the last few years. And it illustrates what you just mentioned, which is it's really quickly moved from 
you know, this collectible, digital collectible to more utility. And, you know, the days of, you know, Blau or Dead Mouse or somebody making a million dollars on a digital collectible, those days are over. It's really now, how can we use this technology in, or, you know, anything Web3, you know, whether it's smart contracts, you know, DAOs, whatever it is, how can we integrate that into our business? And I think there's a lot of applications there and you're, you're using it, you know, in your business. But I think the, the problem with NFTs is it was kind of a gold rush and now it's kind of settling down into this kind of new phase. Um, but as long as it's something that has value and, and Mike says this all the time, you know, like it, it can't be about the NFT. That's like saying yeah. that this cassette tape is really cool. No, it's what's on it. Stop, stop selling NFT and sell the value that the consumer is going to want. Or the experience. That it's or the experience, want. whatever that might yeah, be. Exactly. exactly. Sell, sell the utility, it, you know, and, and I feel like with, with the NFT space, we haven't yet discovered what that, quote, killer utility, that killer function is yet. And that's what's being developed. You know, people like yourself are out here trying these new things and something is going to just explode and we're going to go wow that just made such complete sense why weren't we doing this forever but it's it, the, the technology made it happen but as an end user i don't really care about the technology you care about the use cases and exactly exactly super interesting is the whole composability and programmable ip layer to smart contracts that's what i'm personally excited about and the types of new business models that it can power and kind of how that redefines the way we think about the music industry and about relationships and whether it's about income participation or other types of, you know, collective ownership, you know, of music IP or visual IP or, or, you know, artists, things like that. And, and as Jay mentioned that you're working on allowing the purchase of this through just a credit card, which yeah, sure. you know, as I see as that's that's one of the biggest hurdles to get the average person on the street into yeah. this space yeah. is they've got a, you know, right or wrong, they've got confidence in their Visa credit card. They feel yeah, like somebody's back there that might be watching out for them. Now we could have a whole debate on whether that's reality or not, but that's their perception. And their perception is, I just want to go to an Amazon.com of the world, pull out a credit card and buy something that gives me great onboarding. utility. Yeah, frictionless onboarding is the biggest yep. part to uh, Web3. <clears throat> and I think the reality um, is that there needs to be custodians, unfortunately. And that goes against the thesis of Web3 and decentralization. Right. But at the end of the day, if you're going to get mass adoption, you're going to do it through easy to use web applications with a web two experience. And you have to provide optionality. So you have to not lock people in because I think that's what people care about is having the option to leave. So in this case, if you are on a custodian, you know, service where they're holding the assets because you don't want to deal with your private key or your wallet at any point, you should be able to take your assets, point them, to your wallet or like a MetaMask or something else and take your assets with you. As long as you're not you know, a hostage to the service and they provide you with an easy use, you know, use case where you can move your assets to your wallet or wherever you want to, I'm totally good with that. 
But I do yeah. believe that a Web2 like experience is key for mass adoption for digital assets. Yeah, we know it's a, a digital world and, you know, 83% of the revenue is coming from streaming, but there's, you know, the average car in the United States is like 12 years old. There's still CD players out there. I, I have all of my artists still make CDs and most of them make vinyl. Talk about a, a little bit about how does physical tie into the platform? So it doesn't very much, quite honestly. Um, we deal a lot with data and data has to be digital. It comes to you through an FTP or an API connection or through right. some type of spreadsheets. We can right. ingest you know, uh, physical sales data through a spreadsheet, but there's hardly any API that can kind of feed you you know, sales data on physical. I wonder if at venue has an API, because as you probably know, in order to get your physical goods that you sell on the road, uh, as in order to get those registered for chart positions and for, you know, uh, it's called Luminate now, but it used to be called MRC and Nielsen SoundScan and are the artists formerly known as SoundScan. Um, in order to get that registered, you use um, at venue. And I'm wondering if maybe they have an API that could, and, and even if they, they do or they don't, I think physical is still important. And as long as you're able to sure. ingest that, you know, with a, a CSV or something, um, I think you'd be good to go. But it's, you know, as Mike and I talk about pretty regularly, yeah, it's 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 a digital world, but let's not forget physical because it's still uh, a big part of our business. Totally agree. I mean, I sold CDs most of my career. Yeah, and you can't sell an NFT at the merch table. Well, maybe you can, but you can't sign it. <laughs> well, let's say that you can unlock the merch table with the NFT. Yeah, well, you can't walk home with something to put up on your wall. Um, Will Page was saying the other. Go ahead. I'll tell you a little bit about what we're doing. I mean, the Revelator platform is probably the first to be Web3 enabled as a distribution and royalties platform, yeah. which makes it super interesting to actually be able to manage digital IP side by side as music IP or take any release, you know, or visual and then turn that into a tokenized offering and be able to kind of launch a storefront you know, within a couple of clicks. So you don't have to know anything about code or blockchain or even web development to actually be able to yeah. sell an NFT through a storefront that's customized. And yeah. like you said earlier, from the buyer journey, you know, we're offering both Web3 and Web2 checkout flows. So if you have a wallet, you can pay with crypto. And if you don't, you can pay with a credit card and sign up and you know, we'll manage the custody of the asset that you purchase under your account and you can always leave or take your assets and point them to a crypto wallet if you choose. I think that optionality is important. But the whole point I think is to make, you know, these digital assets more accessible to people. So artists wanna be able to monetize IP and reach new markets or distribute on marketplaces yeah. where there is an audience and there is money being spent. Um, but ultimately they wanna bring their fan base, you know, to their own storefronts where they're yeah able to kind of, you know, showcase their, their, their work. Yeah. We're thinking a lot about interesting use cases around having a public or private vault, like some content is public, but if you have the NFT, you can unlock a vault and have access to some private you know, stuff that's premium only. Gotcha. To NFT holders. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of interesting use cases for community activation and fan engagement, you know, with digital assets. And I think that's what excites us the most. So where can people uh, 
learn more about the platform and you and you know can they go in and kick the tires do you have like a trial or, or a you know some way a demo for people to kinda, or something yeah. uh we do um revelator.com is the best place to kind of find out the information about you know all the different products that we offer um and um the nft i think we'll be offering that as a you know self-serve kind of model where anyone can sign up and be able to tap into that and for some more of the distribution and royalties you know, it's more of a B2B workflow where you talk to us and kind of find out a little bit about your business and what your needs are and make sure that the platform can meet those needs. Um, yeah, fantastic. Hey, hey, Bruno, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to talk with us. It's, it's a fascinating platform. I can't wait to go in there and spend a little bit more, uh, more time with it and keep us posted as to your, uh, your success. Super. Thanks for having me today. Thank, thanks All so right. much, Bruno. Thanks, Bruno. Visit DiscMakers.com to place an order for 100 or more CDs. And when you check out, use promo code FREEBIZ and get free shipping up to a $150 value. Um, man, it sound, what, what Revelator is providing in the back end sounds pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, and I'm looking, as, as I said there at the end, I'm looking forward to seeing which distributors have Revelator baked yeah. into their back end because yeah. that can be a that can be a, a a differentiator in choosing a distributor because absolutely i mean at yeah. the end of the day you know it's sort of like dsps distributors they're all getting you out to the same number of platforms they're That's all right. doing the basic same thing so now what it comes down to to just you know distinguish yourself from everybody else out there is you know what are the little add-on features what are the what's your reporting capabilities what's your cust you know for yeah. me right now it's been customer service who's got yeah. stellar customer service and who doesn't have stellar customer service yeah yeah and that's a game changer and that's the thing that makes you choose one distributor over another to your point yeah they go out to basically the same dsps but it's problem solving can you get somebody on the phone and to revelator's point I need a dashboard. I need one place I can go and see what's going on with my releases. And each distributor has a dashboard and they're all um, pretty different. You know, some of them yeah, are they're all kind of all over the place. And, what yeah. they, I mean, you know, I've seen dashboards where it's like, yeah, we've got social media data here and you go in and look at it and like, there's no social media data. And it's like, if your data is missing, email us your URL and we'll ingest it. And I'm like, well, why should I have to email you something to ingest? If I've signed up with your platform, why aren't you going out and finding this? Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, the dashboards are all over the place. And this covers things that none of the dashboards really cover all of this, you know, reporting and royalties and publishing splits and DSPs and all of this all in one place where you can kind of kind of get a sense not only of how you're artist music is trending but those those financials you've got one place where you can see kind of everything yeah yeah i mean you know as we know there's dash every service has individual dashboards and sadly the vast majority of artists aren't checking out all of these dashboards so the 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 next step to solve that is a single dashboard that pulls everything in but then that dashboard has to be clean simple and has to actually give you some suggested actions to take. Because if you just give a dashboard with a whole bunch of data, 
and know how do you make it actionable how, right? how what what you know then artists can go okay so now what do i do with this what does this mean what what is what does that spike mean good or bad uh, you know yeah. that's where a dashboard then has to go to that next level and actually work with you and give you some directions of what to do not just give you the data yeah. because it can still be you know you might still need an expert to sit down and disseminate the data in that dashboard yeah yeah Agreed. Um, so yeah, cool I'm stuff. looking. I'm looking forward to seeing what what platforms are going to have Revelator in the back end. Um, you know, if if you guys, any of our listeners out there, are familiar with Revelator or you know are on a uh, um, distributor that you know is using this, let us know. Hit us up over on the the artist community on Bands in Town. Um, you can just find that at bandsintown.musicbizweeklypodcast.com. And let us know, or if you've got questions about Revelator or dashboards in general, or how to use this data that you're seeing in somebody's dashboard, hit us up. We, we, we've, it seems like last week in our artist community, the discussions really took off, um, especially around uh, the BeatDap um, yeah. discussion. People had a lot of comments about, you know, um, stream farms and hijacking playlists and bots and all of that stuff. Um, And we were getting into some great discussions. So I invite everybody to go join us over there and and be part of this discussion. Um, Before we wrap up, just a quick shout out to Bruce at Hypebot and everybody at Bands in Town for all of your support. And of course, to Disc Makers for your continued sponsorship means a lot to us. And uh, that's it. We'll see you in the next episode. Voices for Music Biz Weekly, provided by LarryDavisVoice.com and by JessicaMarsVoice.com. That's Mars with a Z.